You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Us superpowers a little bit, okay? So I'm going to ask you a question, and then we're going to talk about that, and then I'm going to play a video of a guy who's got a very very particular superpower. So, um, if you were to choose a superpower, one superpower, what would it be and why? Think about it for just a little while. You only get one choice. One choice. This is serious for some of you guys. You're panicking, I can tell. One superpower, what would you choose? Why? Ray, immediately. I would like to fly. But you already fly for free. (laughs) Not in your own power. And you're subject to time schedules, which is... So you'd rather self-reliant fly instead of putting your hands and not... Putting your life in the hands of Dayton. (laughs) <laughs> See his powers. No, I'd, I'd like to be able to just. Okay, why? Why would you like to just go fly? Because you always wanted to. Because birds do. Because birds do. Because you're Canadian and Canadian geese, after all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, flight. So we have one one vote for flight. That's usually actually one of the top. Free flight. What's that? You said free flight. Free flight. Free flight. Just fly at any point in time. Want her. I would like to shape shift. Shapeshift? Why? Yeah, because you're a human being. <laughs> human beings base you off of your appearance, so you can do whatever you want if you change your physicality. Oh, so like, so like, if you go to a different country, you could change into a different. That's not what I said. <laughs> well, just, uh, a shapeshifter yeah, could. That's true. Yeah, they could, or they could like turn into a puppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everything. You could turn into a giraffe, and then you turn into a giraffe and get hunted. Do you see how this actually could go horribly wrong, couldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, go ahead, Isaac. What do you think? Healing vector, like Oh, like personal healing, not healing other people, because we don't care about them, right? So just personal healing. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So healing, healing just myself. Got it. Okay. Go ahead. I'd like the ability to speak any language and understand it. To speak and understand any language. So universal communication. So different than shapeshifter because she can shapeshift into any nationality or any people group but can't understand a lick of what they're saying. So it doesn't matter. That's the part of shapeshifting, okay? Yeah, okay, so she hasn't thought through that very well. What about the rest of you guys? Go ahead, Will. Flying? Flying? Yeah, but you guys work at the airport, so I get it. Hold my hand when I was a kid. Hold my hand. I can show you. I Constantly recurring dreams. And one was kind of a nightmare, but the other one was flying. Which was also kind of a nightmare because the falling aspect, I'm assuming, sometimes. It wasn't Superman flying, it was a very, very odd way of flying. Did you huh. have to flap your Falling with style. <laughs> was f- I had to get a running start, and it was kind of a glide. <laughs> to stay in the air, I had to do this, and I could glide a little bit, and then I had to do this some more. And after a while, I got good enough to where I could go feet first. And Are you sure we're not brothers? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys were. You guys were destined to be with each other forever. Uh, um, yeah, or at least, I mean, it could be worse. It could be like uh, Wonder Woman's invisible plane, right? I mean, because that's the worst thing. Lilith can go on the trip with Ray. 
I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tatiana, you said you were going to say something. Well, I don't know about that now, but when I was a kid, I was from a big family. I was second child seven, so I wish that I could create all like a sphere around me. Okay. It's clear, I can see them, but nobody can. I cannot hear in them. So, okay, she's from a different culture, so in our culture we would call that the cone of silence. Right? You guys, remember, you guys remember the phone? No, sorry, it's a bubble, Brian. Yeah. Or, but it's a bubble. Okay. Excellent. Now, okay, I'm really curious. You guys might want to know this. This is really, this is really awesome. So, Tatiana, you're, you're originally from Ukraine. What were Ukrainian superheroes like? Did Ukrainians have these superheroes when they were growing up? When you were growing up? It's from Soviet Union culture. So it's like, um, uh, Father Frost. Father Frost? You said you know a few? Jim Maroz. Father Frost. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so there are some. Interesting, because I don't know if you know this, if you study superheroes in different cultures, some cultures don't have superheroes, and people have been inducing superheroes into their culture in order to tell in order to tell stories of justice and stories of redemption. Really, really cool. There's actually this Christian organization that writes comic books in Arabic in order to put them into Middle Eastern countries that don't have you don't have superheroes in their culture. Huh. Oh, fascinating. Go ahead, Jonas. Time travel abilities. So you can go back and fix screw ups? Or go forward and skip middle school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go back and fix screw ups or go forward and make <laughs> that uh, never works out in the movies, so we'll see how that goes in real life too. So, anybody else got good, Daniel? Um, I would like to second that one, but otherwise, it would be um, the ability not to sleep. The ability to not have to sleep? Without sleeping, yeah, functioning perfectly without ever being tired. I don't know, man. See, okay, I have, I don't know. I, I like now, my, Not to point out the age disparity, but if you guys know over here, there's a little bit older contingency over here. Does it hurt to sleep? Yes. Yeah, when you wake yes. up, are you like, oh, what did I do? Yeah, right? Yeah, okay. So that's what you get to look forward to. But also, do you love to sleep? As much as possible. Yeah, so I don't know about that. I mean, that's like giving up something. That's not even a superpower. That's a super sacrifice. Oh, my bed is like my comfort zone. Okay. Um, anybody else? Monson, you got one? Teleportation. Teleportation. Anywhere, anywhere anytime. Anytime. But without the without the joy of flight. Right. Just instant. Just instant. Boom. Okay, go ahead. I would also like healing factor, but I would only like the factor in my kidneys, because apparently they're really fragile. Your kidneys are really fragile? Well just like people's kidneys are really fragile. So you just like the power to heal kidneys. <laughs> heal kidneys. Heal kidneys. Just to heal kidneys. Yeah, there's a lot of people with kidney failure. And if your child falls down in the screens, it's only my kidneys. It's only Wait, so I don't know if I quite get this. Is the healing power from your kidneys or for people's kidneys? For my own kidneys. Just for your own kidneys. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Whatever. I'm who uh <laughs> Who am I to judge, right? Who am I to judge? All right. Um, I'm going to introduce you to a guy that I met, um, a, a wonderful young man named Micah Bournet. And Micah is a, is a poet, a spoken word poet, but he also presents, uh, he does presentations um, at churches and organiza- or churches and gatherings all around the world. 
um, and he's got a wonderful little thing that he, a little wonderful little ditty that he called Normal Hair. And I want you to see, I want to see if you can pick out his superpower. Go ahead, Jonas. My name is Micah Bournet, and I do an art form called Spoken Word Poetry. And, uh... <laughs> If you're not familiar with spoken word, a quick introduction, um, it's poetry meant to be performed instead of read in a book. So it's like the difference between writing a novel and writing a script for a film or a play. If you write a novel, you expect your audience to read it on paper, but if you write a script, you don't want them to read it on paper, you want them to watch as the actors perform what you've written. So it's poetry meant for the stage instead of the page. Um, and I get inspiration for poetry from strange places sometimes. And uh, this particular poem was inspired by a bottle of shampoo. <laughs> and the title of the poem is Normal Hair. <laughs> I was showering at the home of a white friend, pondering deeply as I lathered my chocolate skin when suddenly I got the inclination to observe the labels of the hygiene products placed neatly on the windowsill. One particular bottle struck me as queer. A Garnier Fruit Teas Fortifying Shampoo for normal hair. I thought, normal to whom? Based on my current residence, my hair is considered alien, yet I can think of several locations where it would fit the norm, like the Howard University dorms or the south side of Chicago. If I walked into a grocery store on 79th Street in the Shy and made my way to the shampoo aisle, I wonder what I'd find. Garnier Fruit Teeth Fortifying Shampoo for abnormal hair, you know, the kind you can't find around here, for the hair that lays straight, no kinks, no waves, for that crazy kind of hair that doesn't need grease. Or would it still read, for normal hair? Now if you ask me the question, do I have normal hair, I'd answer, yes. Yet I doubt if that product was made for my texture. But I guess I can't complain, who wants to be normal anyway? I know what normal really means, and no offense to normal people, but I have no desire to be normal. <laughs> then I started thinking, why don't we label everything normal as normal? Mayonnaise, the normal condiment, country, screamo, and rock will all be called normal music. Barack Obama, the first abnormal president. Well, technically he's half normal. <laughs> now do you see how ludicrous this concept of normality is? The only problem I have with normal people is that they think they're normal. <laughs> Trust me, there is nothing normal about you. Many of my normal friends have lost pride in their heritage as if minorities have a monopoly on everything intriguing while they get stuck with normal culture and normal hair. But this is not just a normal problem. Many people normal and abnormal alike fail to see the beauty in their own identities. Oh, the irony when black girls cry themselves to sleep wishing they were light-skinned while white girls lay for hours on the beach fabricating melanin. Ah! just don't understand. I'm happy how I am. Not full of pride, but proud to know I'm made in the image of God. And God is far from normal. So if every human being is fashioned after him, there is no typical human, no normal ethnic group. No matter who you are, red, yellow, 
normal or blue, there's something divine about you. But I guess you can't know this if you don't know the God you reflect. You spend your whole life thinking you're normal or worthless, never knowing which of God's many attributes are present in you. I urge you to introduce your image to its template, Jesus Christ, the prototype. In many ways, a normal guy, rejected by men and despised, yet for them he was sacrificed. By this, God was pleased. Therefore, thus says the Lord in Isaiah 53, verse 12, I will divide him a portion with the great, and all who know him will be like him as well. Normal? I think not. Followers of Christ possess the very spirit of God, making us extraordinary. And as if by Christ we're not already great, just you wait. We've been given a promise of glorification. Each saint will undergo a magnificent transformation. From head to toe, every hair follicle will radiate with beauty unlike you've ever viewed. When we get to heaven, Garnier fruit teas will not do. If your faith is in Christ, next time you run out of shampoo, take me up on this dare. Go to the store and ask the bag boy, where is the shampoo for glorious hair? <laughs> All right, so I asked you a question. Guys, looking at him like he's weird. That was at the uh, Alliance Council two and a half years ago, three three years ago, something like that. So, uh, anyways, um, yeah. So, what do you think? I asked you a question. What do you think his superpower is? No idea, son. Actually, reading shampoo bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, reading shampoo bottles. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think his superpower is? <laughs> Go ahead, Isaac. So, he has the ability to convey his thoughts effectively and winsomely to people. His ability to portray his thoughts. Not many people can do that. Not do it well. Not do it well. Okay, that's a, that's a good idea. Go ahead, Jonas. He's got that afro. That's a pretty great superpower. Right? Uh, Winter has a t-shirt from him that's got just a guy with an afro. It says glorious on the bottom of it. So, yeah, it's a great great t-shirt, actually. Any, any other thoughts? What's his superpower? I don't know if you saw what he did there, but it took about three and a half minutes for him to, for him to take an incredible truth, a really big truth about everything in the world, normal what is normal? Why do you think you're normal? Why do you hate being normal? Even though you desperately want to be. And he took all of that and then he spun it and power packed it into a tiny little punch that actually welled up hopefully some emotion when you were actually watching that. Right? That's a beautiful superpower. I don't know if you, if you saw that. That's actually quite amazing. And, and I, I just see, I look at this guy and I go... This guy has the ability to communicate incredibly big things in teeny tiny little packages. I do not. I have the ability to create um, maybe big things in very, very long packages. There was people, <laughs> Will was at my class this week and called me and took me, sometimes it takes me two hours to talk about stuff that makes any sense. So um, we won't spend that, mon- that amount of time tonight. Um, but tonight we're going to take a look at, uh, at what God's superpower is. Um, and... It's going to be a little bit of an interesting thing. You know, each of my kids, 
um, they, they have their own little power, their own little amazingness. Winter left, so now I can talk freely about her. Um, Winter is good at lots of things, if you've never met her. Um, she's good at a ton. She's, a fan, she's probably the most fantastic hand drummer I've ever played with in my life. I've played with a lot of drummers. Um, uh, she's probably the best hand drummer I've ever played with in my entire life. She's also incredibly driven when she works with other people. Now, when it comes to being at home, she's actually has the superpower of being procra- like procrastinating. She has a, a very, very big superpower doing that. It's incredible, actually. It's impressive. It's kind of breathtaking. Creedon, uh, my middle son, you know, he has the superpower of having zero motion. Uh, it's kind of a beautiful superpower. It's actually quite fascinating, right? And you guys have met Creedon. Uh, Laura and I are both fairly emotional people. My wife and I are emotional people, but Creedon somehow came out where he's got like zero motion, and you know, you go, "Hey, Creedon, how's your day?" Great. <laughs> really? Are you sure? How was how was class today? Uh, great. Well, really? I, how'd you sleep last night? Not great. <laughs> you know, like it's always the same, totally monotone. Um, it's one of his superpowers. Actually, it literally takes your breath away sometimes. Where you're like, oh, I got nothing. Um, and then Jonas, uh, he's got this superpower of laughter. Uh, that kid can tell a joke at the most opportune time and cause everybody to double over laughing. And it's pretty amazing, actually. You'll just die laughing. Um, each of us has like one sort of skill, one sort of power. Micah Borne has this ability to power pack things. Some of you guys have, uh, like Eunice, she plays the, man, she plays the violin beautifully. Um, but she does other things really well. I just haven't figured them out yet. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, some of you guys do other things really, really well. Everybody's got one of these things. Um, but I've never met anybody who says that I wish I had the superpower of keeping promises. You ever have anybody say that? I wish I had the superpower of telling the truth all of the time. I wish I had the superpower of uh, making sure that I tell every single person I've ever met about Jesus. Never met anybody who's asked for those superpowers. It's always transportation or flight or healing or whatever, right? Never met anybody who's like, I wish I had the superpower of integrity, being the same person all of the time. Because we live in a world that is kind of broken like that. Tonight in Psalms, we're going to explore this superpower of God, of Him having integrity and faithfulness. And it's going to get weird, okay? So Psalm 89 is where we're going to be. Grab a Bible, open it up. Um, What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to ask you a question. You can talk about it at your table. I'm going to bring you back. We're going to do this a few times and and uh, and hopefully hit on something really, really deep tonight. Psalm 89. Uh, psalm, this, this psalm is kind of an upside-down psalm. Uh, most of the psalms that we've been reading lately have been this psalm where it starts with something really, really difficult and moves into this thing where finally somebody goes, but I will choose to praise you, and then the praise comes afterwards. This one's totally reversed. It starts with praising and then goes into this really dark despair. It's a really dark pit of despair. And so that's where we're headed. And if you don't know this, we're stopping at each Selah, and then I'm giving you guys a second to talk about these things. So here we go. Uh, Psalm 89 starts off with this. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. And that ends with this Selah. 
And so this part of the psalm starts off with God's faithfulness, that God's really powerful, that he, that he makes many, many promises. And one of the promises he made was to his servant David and to his lineage to say, I will make you a, I will make you a king and I will make your sons kings and I will establish your throne forever. So I just want you to take a second at your tables and I want you to, I want you to come up with a short list. And this isn't going to take long, but I want you to come up with a short list of the things you know God has promised. The things you know that God has promised through the scriptures. If you're, if you're real bold, find a scripture to, to, to throw out. But I want you to come up with a list of three or four things that you know that God has promised, okay? Go for it. Find some things that God has promised. Just come up with some things. Go, 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 go. Three or four things. That's all you need. These are frantically digging. You can look up promises. You know, you can do that. You can you can Google search stuff. Googling's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Ah, sorry. Something's happening here. Oh, that's okay, buddy. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. Come up with two or three. <laughs> ah, what just happened? All right, I gave you enough time. What do you got? Give me a list. Give me anything you got. Anything you came up with. What did you guys come up with? Anything? Never leave us. That he will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. What does that mean? To forsake someone. Yeah, it's actually to walk away from them when they're in their direst need. To forsake them. Just right when you need them to just be like, nope, sorry, can't do it. Okay, good one. What else? What do you guys got? Anything? Love. He promises you love and peace and faithfulness. Okay. Okay, yeah, we know... Promises forgiveness. Okay. What about you guys? Got one? Uh, I got a couple. If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. Right? You guys got another one? That we will do greater things than Jesus. That you will do greater things you will do than these. Yeah. In fact, even uh, it's better for you that I go away. Right? There's a promise there. Got anything else? Well, right here from the uh, first small verses, he says that he will make a promise to keep David's line forever. Okay, so that he will make a promise. Yeah, he makes a promise to keep David's line forever. Okay, what about you? What else do you guys got? Anything else? Yeah, we have justice and judgment with fire. <laughs> okay, there, there's a promise of justice. There's a problem, a promise of uh, of handling some things, right? Handling handling sin. Okay, what else? What other promises are there? You guys got more? There's so 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 many more, so many more. 
Well, tonight, one of the things that what we're going to focus on is he, Jesus actually promises that he's going to establish his kingdom. You know how many promises Jesus makes about his kingdom? Can you think of one where he says uh, that uh, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it, which is really interesting because gates can't overcome anything, but, you know, so there's some there's some stuff going on in there in the wording, but, okay, so Jesus promises that he's going to establish his church and that the gates of hell won't, won't, won't withstand it. Anything else that he promises about the kingdom? You guys know this? Or some of the other things. That I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would not, would not have, I would I would have, would have told you that. I'm telling you that because I'm going to go do it. Okay. What else did he promise about his kingdom? That God promises about all his kingdom. All peoples of every nation, tribe, and tongue. That at the, in the end, all people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, regardless of where they were, where they were born, where they were brought, there's going to be a representative from every tribe, every tongue, every nation at the throne of the king. Normal okay. People. Yeah. What's that? Normal people. All, all of them normal. All of them normal. We, we just. Yeah, he will wipe away every tear, and he will heal every every sickness, heal every disease, right? That's excellent, Tatiana. Yeah, fantastic. That there's a promise to take care of things and bring things into restoration and redemption. Jesus also promises, right, like the kingdom of heaven has come. He says that, right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven... So he talks about the kingdom of heaven being really, really close. Anybody seen this kingdom yet? Have you seen the kingdom of heaven? Who, who's been there? You, you been to the kingdom of heaven? You knocked on the, knocked on the doors? Yeah. You, you did? What, is, what does it look like? Like a dirty basement. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it, well, it can. <laughs> God has promised... Many things, and one of the big things he's promised is that his kingdom is going to come. And he actually says this here, right? Like, I'm going to establish David, I'm going to establish his kingdom. But then he continues on, he says, The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule. You see the kingdom thing? You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you... You still them. You crush Rahab like one of the slain with your strong arms. You scatter your enemies. The heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endued with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They exalt in your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. And by your favor you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people and you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have exalted a young man from among the people. I have found David my servant. With my sacred oil I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will subject him to tribute. No wicked man will oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, my rock, my savior. 
I will appoint him with my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever. My covenant to him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne, as long as the heavens endure. And we're going to get into it in just a second. There's this if clause that's in here, right? It comes next. There's a, there's a but. But in this, do you see all the language? Like God is not only saying, will I establish David, but I will make him, his kingdom so firm and so sure. We're in Psalm 89, Stephan, if you want to know. We, he will make his kingdom so firm and so sure that he will actually do the same ruling that God's doing. I'm going to extend his arm over the sea and he's going to be this great ruler everywhere, right? He's going to be this intense ruler. And then there's this but. If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him. See that promise? Nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all I have sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. So God promises, like, and Jesus promises this too, that he's going to establish a kingdom. And in this particular psalm, he says, not only am I going to establish a kingdom, but I'm going to establish a kingdom that is so firm that it's not going to be shaken. Just like he says, I will build my church on this rock and the gates of hell will never overcome it. Will never overcome it. So God's biggest promise is to set up his kingdom that cannot be shaken. Jesus states this repeatedly, that the kingdom has come, it's already here, it will be coming. This kingdom that they're talking about, this kingdom will be set up forever. But that raises a question. What do you think the kingdom of God looks like? When when you read this, what do you think the kingdom of God looks like? What, what, What is it? Where is it? Take a second at your tables and I just want you to talk about the kingdom of God. What do you think the kingdom of God is? What do you think the kingdom of God is? Just talk for just a second. What do you think the kingdom of God is? What does it look like? What is Jesus talking about he's going to establish when he's going to set up his kingdom and the gates of hell will never overcome it? Okay? Go ahead. Take a talk for just a second. What do you think the kingdom of God is? Like everybody came up with some answers. So, what do you got? What do you think the kingdom of God is like? What do you think? 
Ray, what do you think the kingdom of God is like? You, I heard you talking over there. Actually, I do a fair bit of listening. Oh, good. What, what's, uh, what are you listening to? Go ahead, Will. I, I take it as the, uh, you know, the physical descriptions in Isaiah and Revelation with the train that fills the whole throne room, the shining throne, the weird flying things, the uh, uh, carnelian and jasper. Yeah, okay. Right, but that leaves the that leaves the question too. Like I, I agree with you. That obviously would be the kingdom of God too. Like there's a throne, that's what God's sitting on. But where's that kingdom now? And Jesus says like the kingdom is at hand. That it is here, it is now. Where is that? And we'll we'll let that hang for a little while. Go ahead, Sally. It's in his people. Okay, God's kingdom is in his people. Okay, interesting. And I think theologically, you got you're onto something, right? Uh, how is God's kingdom and His people? How do you do? You guys know this? How is God's kingdom and His people? He comes to dwell inside of us with His Spirit, right? He builds us into a temple, a living temple to, to God Almighty. However, it's the state of the church right now. Does it look like the kingdom that hasn't been shaken? It's a temple that's in disrepair. It's a disrepair. Okay. Ah, oh, man. Oh. He That's he tough. He says he's going to prepare a place, right? But then he also says, like, the kingdom's here. That's what we just were talking about, right? Like, when you guys were coming down, we are we're developing this idea that, like, Jesus says the kingdom's here. He also says he's going to prepare. And there's a kingdom coming, yet it's also here now. And it's in his people, but have you looked at his people lately? But that's when he went to go prepare the damage that we're doing to ourselves. Ah. So okay. it's, a, it's a process. Okay, so we're screwing up the kingdom? Okay. What yeah, do you guys, what, what about the rest of you guys? Call me, what do you I got? Say we're screwing up ourselves, but not the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're were talking about the kingdom. Yeah, we were talking about how, like, the image of like, God's people filled with the Spirit unified together in order to provide a bigger picture of who God is um, through the characteristics He's endowed. And how are, we exercise our talents to complement each other, um, and how like each one of us is like all messed up. Yeah, like his kingdom probably should be a kingdom of unity, yeah. and forgiveness, right. and grace and healing. Yet again, have you read the news? Is that the is that the descriptor that people would use of God's kingdom that aren't part of God's kingdom right now? In fact, there's a guy who's measuring this. I'm reading a book called Disappearing Grace, no, Vanishing Grace. There's a guy who's measuring this. And in his book, Vanishing Grace, he talks about the adjectives that are used for Christianity. And he, he graphs them, right? He graphs them. And uh, angry, angry, unforgiving, unyielding, and hypocrite are some of, the, some of the, the biggest ones that have been used more and more and more over the next, over the last 20 years. Increasingly so. Of course, we have... It's kind of the same diatribe that's being recycled, but go ahead, Jonas, what do you think? I don't know where the kingdom of God is. I, I feel like it looks like a golden city with a river running through it, and then there's a super bright spot in the middle. A super bright spot in the middle that everybody can know? Yeah, because part of it's because you've, like, that's the revelation picture of the kingdom that is to come. Yeah? On the day. Okay? Daniel, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying, it seems like there's always an element of God's Word being a part of it. God's Word being a part of the kingdom? 
comes by his word, and it seems to be like when God describes a kingdom as of a mustard seed that grows. Yeah. But yeah, it's the kingdom is small, and it doesn't look like much, but it produces those parables that Jesus tells. Yeah. Okay, but it's also mustard seed. What happen? What has to happen to a mustard seed before it becomes a tree? Water has planted. The seed has to die before it can go. Before it can grow, right? It's interesting. I'm learning about this right now. Today, actually, is learning about this is this idea of um, resurrection is actually thrown into even the creation that all around us, right? Like uh, acorns. If you study acorns. They have to actually rot before life could come out of them, right? So there's like death and rebirth and then death and rebirth. But an acorn is not an oak tree. They're not the same thing, yet they're kind of the same thing. And so anyways, we won't get on a diatribe there, but that triggered something, Daniel. Yep. So it's just something that may not look right now, but promises to be bigger. Okay? What about the rest of you guys? What do you think? What What was your table talking about? What is the kingdom of God like? Just a place where there's like no hurt. Things are like whole. A place of wholeness. Yes. And I was kind of talking about kind of like having authority, like a legitimate kingdom. Like a kingdom is a certain span of land. Yeah, there's actually. Somebody has authority. There's rule there. Yes. And there's a different kind of rule in God's kingdom than there is in the kingdom of this world. Right? Like that's kind of the. We get that through the New Testament. It's a different. So there's. That's that epic battle between. The world of peace that should be the kingdom of God and the world of turmoil that should be the kingdom of this earth. Again, I don't know if you're thinking about this, but you ever been around a church for a while? <laughs> Is it a place where it's a kingdom of peace all the time? No. No. No, that's, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. So here we go. Back down into the psalm. Check this out. So Psalm 89, this third Selah, he comes in here and he says... Remember, remember we were just talking about this? God says, I'm going to establish your kingdom. I'm going to make it so firm that you're going to reach out as far as my arm reaches out. You're going to rule over all things. You're going to be my rule. I'm going to give you my kingdom. I'm going to make you part of my kingdom. That's that promise that's in there. Then in this third Selah, but you have rejected. This is the psalmist talking to God. You have spurned. You have been very angry with your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through all his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruin. All who pass by have plundered him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You've turned back the edge of his sword. You have not supported him in battle. You've not put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. Or you have put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. And you have covered him with a mantle of shame. That's a long laundry list of complaints against God. Did you see that? You see that? Now here's the issue. So I don't know if you're like me, but when I read the news, or when I hear about what's happening around the world, when I study other cultures, or I look into the incredible amount of turmoil and anger and frustration and... Uh, chaos that's in our own culture, we're killing each other, like left and right. I realize that the kingdom is actually far from here and far from stable, and it often looks like the kingdom's not here at all. 
Uh, for me, it often seems like the kingdom is fragile. And I don't know if you feel the same way. It feels like at any moment, uh, God's kingdom could almost fall. I mean, think about the church, right? Like, right now in the West, in America, is the church winning or losing? Massively losing. By all measurable standards, by all measurable standards, things are not going well for Christianity in the West. If you go to Europe, we call it, it's, it's called a post-Christian culture. Not, not necessarily Ukraine, although there's some troubles there too, right? When it comes to church and, and, and the existence of the church. But in most of the western side of Europe, um, post-Christian culture, it's gone. Christianity, the, the cathedrals are coffee shops and libraries. It's a thing of the past. It's an antiquated idea. Uh, there are some pockets where Christianity is growing, and that's an amazing thing. But by the way that I look at this, right, the way I see it, it doesn't look like the kingdom's winning. And I think that's what the psalmist is getting at here, is he feels like God's promise was to establish the kingdom forever and to establish it so firm and so hard and so beautifully and so powerfully that that it's going to bring healing and it's going to bring powerful things and it's going to help everyone and it's going to be this glorious thing. But what is reality is we're rejected and spurned and the, the, the throne got kicked over. The crown's been trampled in the dust, right? When I look at the news, when I look at the world around me, when I look at the church around me, I long for it to be different. I want it to be different. I want to see churches in Rapid City healing the racial divides in Rapid City. I want to see churches in Rapid City helping the poor and the needy so that we don't even have that issue anymore. I want to see churches in Rapid City worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth in a very powerful... I want to see churches in Rapid City working together for once. That's one of the things I long for. Instead of hills alive. Instead of hills alive. And don't get me started, but we're not going to talk about that right now. I don't get time to talk about that right now. I want to see people not falling through the cracks because of the unity we have. Colby's comment was right. Like We want unity and forgiveness and peace and love. But I don't think people see that. Why don't people see that? And I long for it to be different. And I don't know if you do too. Like I actually hurt for the fact that our church is not, and I mean both our church, this one locally, but also the church um, larger locally and the church globally. I, like I hurt for the fact that our church is not characterized as a people of faith and a people who stand for healing and a people who stand for goodness and a people who stand for a vibrant, visible, victorious faith. I want that. I, I, don't, do, I, I don't know if you're with me or not, but I want that. Oh, yeah. So I want you to just... Well, I don't know. We don't have to take a second at our tables. Do you, think, do you want the kingdom to be something that's shaking or shaking? I don't, I don't think you do. I, I know you're with me on this. And I think the psalmist is, is getting at this. He's seeing that this is painful. He continues in these next two Selahs. There's actually five Selahs in this one. What? And he says, How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself? Forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how fleeting my life is. 
For what futility you have created all men. What man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? O Lord, where is your former great love, which is your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies have mocked, O Lord, with which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. And then this tiny little... Praise be the Lord forever. Amen. See that? Isn't that wild? Isn't that absolutely wild? What do you think's going on here? What do you think's happening in the psalmist's mind? Go ahead, anybody at the table. What do you think's happening to this guy? What is he doing here? What did he turn to? He turned away from the shame of David, and now what is he talking about? Now what's he talking about? What kind of wording did he use here? Remember, like verse 47, remember how fleeting my life is. What is what's going on in that verse right there? Just that verse. Let's just look at that one. Remember how fleeting my life is. What do you think he's saying? What's that? I'm getting old here. It's exactly, it's exactly what he's saying to you. I'm getting old here. Hurry up, God. What else is he saying in here? What else is he saying? You remember that he says, "What?" Uh, um, let's take a look at forty-nine. O Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Sarcasm. Uh, maybe sarcasm. I would. I would go even further than that. I think it's bitterness that's going on here. Bitterness for what? What is he calling a God out on? And you're not keeping your promise. You're not keeping your promise. You promise this and you're not keeping your promise. Now, question for you. Do you think that that's arrogant of this guy to say? Do you, do you take this as an arrogant thing? No. No? Okay. Stefan's like, no. I would say he's questioning God. He is questioning God. And so there's nothing wrong with asking God questions. And I and yeah, and I think actually, you guys think he's just questioning, or is he going a little further? It's, it's not like he's accusing. He's going further. He's accusing. Well, he's I accusing. Think, I think huh? he's, his worldview doesn't match what God says. His perspective is not matching up with right. what God. Says. Exactly. Exactly. His psalm perspectives is broken. Yeah. His uh, his perspective of life is not matching who he knows God to be, and that is what bothers him deeply. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that in your own life, but when you look at the world around you, when you look at the church around you, when you look at the globe, when you look at our world, when you look at our, poli- our political structure, when you look at everything, you read the news, you hear anything, isn't that what you feel? Isn't that what you feel? I don't, maybe, maybe I'm off, maybe that's, maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm too normal. Um, but that's what I, but that's what I feel is I feel like God, you said your kingdom will never be shaken. You said the gates of hell will never overcome it. You said that this is going to be a kingdom of healing and of peace. You said there's going to be life transformation. You said the gospel changes people. You said there's going to be healing in your name. And I don't see it. And I know that you're faithful and I know that you're right. And I know that you keep your promises. Did you ever notice that you ever think of the fact that that's an actual prayer? Have you ever prayed like that? 
And I really, I really want to know that. I know this is a question out of the wind. Have you prayed like that? Have you ever prayed like that? No? I mean, I, I want this. Yes? sense of despair added to it. The sense of despair. Is there anything wrong with keeping God, holding God to His promises? No, because it's claiming confidence in God's promise. Yeah, there's actually something right in keeping God's keeping God to His promises. In fact, um, in the book of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah brings this condemnation or this this anger against the people of Israel from God. It's a message from God saying, "You stopped saying where is our God. That's why I'm angry at you." God's, God gets upset at his people for not holding him to his promises. Why do you think that is? Why would God get upset at his people for not holding him to his promises? Because they're apathetic. Because what? Because they're, they're apathetic. They slid into a place where they're going, well, I guess God doesn't, well, whatever, I guess God doesn't care. I guess this was the character of God all along. I guess God has a plan, and I just need to I just need to suck it up and clench and take it over and take it. I just need to take one for the team because whatever. I mean, I guess God just has to have this world broken. I actually think holding God to His promises actually is what Colby's talking about. It means that you have understood and you've seen the character and nature of God so powerfully in such a way that you go, God. In Tetiana's words, I'm getting old here. Get busy. Because I know that you say what you mean, and you mean what you say, and I'm not seeing that. Well, I think you're also opening the door for God to do its thing. Kind of like seeking and finding it. You see, he's not just going to step in and do it. He wants you to open up the door for it. Yeah, of- you show. So there's like, there's like five things, right? Like you show that you have faith in the words that God spoke. You open the door to God's word when you hold him to his promises. You're the one that's going, I read this, I got you. I got you. It's right here in black and white. There's the covenant. There's the contract. You promised it. It means that you have faith in God's Word. But additionally, it means that you have faith that His character is better than what you're seeing in this world. But then even more than that, you show that you have faith that God can hear you. And that He cares when things are not normal. And you show that you have faith to actually do something about it. Like go to the one who made the promise in the first place and say, Buddy, I don't see this promise being fulfilled on your side. And I guess if you want to bring it to a relational standard, it's almost saying it's kind of showing a want. Yeah. It's showing that you're wanted. If I think about this in like a marriage context, right? If I promised my wife to love her in sickness and in health and she gets sick and I'm like, see ya. She better come after me and say, listen, buddy, you promised in sickness and in health and just because I'm getting sick doesn't mean you get to walk away. Why? Because she should trust my character enough to know that I know she's right. (laughs) which you guys can all tell Laura. I know she's right. (laughs) A marriage that just walks away apathetically and says, I guess this is as good as it's ever going to be. Now, unfortunately, we have a lot of marriages that sit that way. But a marriage that walks away going, whatever, this is just like, I guess I just got to take one for the team and suck it up and not get a divorce because I know God hates paperwork. But... Uh, we'll sleep in different rooms and I won't talk to her and I'll just try to avoid her for forever. 
That is disgusting. And that's no relationship. And that's why this psalmist, that's what I love, is this psalmist is like, God, you promised this? You said it? You told him that not only is he going to establish his kingdom, but you're going to make him so powerful he's going to rule over the sea, just like you rule over the sea. And yet, here we go. The throne's in the ground and the crown's in the ground. And you toppled your servant and you're not keeping up your end of the bargain. It shows that you think that he actually cares. And you show that you're not satisfied with status quo. That you have the heart of God who is disturbed by the same things you're disturbed by. Do you think God's upset with the fact that the church is not necessarily the kingdom that he says? I think he is. I think he he is. But I think he's, not only is he bothered by that, but he's also still using it. He's still working. He's still moving. There's still good things happening. We can wrap that up into some positive stuff. But I also think that God is deeply bothered when we sin, when we don't work together, when we have uh, churches that are literally share the same parking lot but can't worship together, which we have in this city with 173 churches. I think that bothers God. And I think it should bother us. And as it bothers us and it fuels our prayers and it fuels the prayers like it does the psalmist, we can come to Him going, God, You promised something and we need You. And we can get to the point where we're like, this is broken! Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen. <laughs> Which I love that finish. That's like my favorite finish to ever, any song ever. God is so disturbed by the fact that this world is broken that that's why He sent Jesus. I don't know if you knew that or not, right? Like, He sent Jesus because this world was messed up. He sent Jesus because this world got messed up. That's why. That's what He's doing, right? He's He's disturbed and He disturbs Him into action and He sends Jesus. Now, I don't know how that works. I don't know how the timeline works. I don't know if it's a... It's not a response, obviously. God knows what He's doing. God's bigger than that. But... God was so disturbed by the things that are fallen and broken in this world, He sent His Son to die for it. Funny thing is, and we'll wrap up on this, is I think that um, getting in God's face about His promises, there's something healing in that. Something powerful in that. Something really powerful in it. But it's not the powerful thing that you think. Because oftentimes, this psalmist... Right? Like he's thinking, hey, I'm going to get in God's face about his covenantal promise, and then he's going to make everything better. Well, what do you know about the nation of Israel? Did everything get better? No, in fact, it got a lot worse. They ended up exiled. This is pre exile. Right? It ended up a lot worse. But what happened after the exile? Were the Israelites ever going to worship other gods again? Actually, he breaks the cycle of that. Are the Israelites going to protect the word of God? Yeah, actually, they protect it so fiercely that the Pharisees come up and kill Jesus because they think he's breaking the law. I just had like a weird moment, but like... <laughs> it was a normal moment. It was a normal moment. But I guess some of you all have learned that like, almost God tried to teach you to be bold. And how are you supposed to be bold to people who hate you or the world that hates you if you can't be bold to somebody who loves you? I mean, that's yeah, a pretty it's a, safe place to learn where to be bold. It's the same thing going back to that marriage concept. <laughs> if you can't be bold at home, you're not going to be bold in public. If you're not confident at home, you're not going to be confident in public. 
See, I think what we can do is I can, we can count on when we get in God's face, He's going to actually start moving. He's going to start answering His prayers. When we start going to Him, why don't you do something about what I see? You know what I bet you He's going to do is He's going to go, why don't you do something about what we both see? <laughs> so don't think this is mind tricks on God. Don't think this is like, I caught you, I got you, I found the loophole, I finally got you pinned down. Because I think the funniest thing about our life and the thing, is, the thing that we experience is that when we get in God's face about this and we're like, why don't you do something? He responds back, I will through you. I will through you. But I'm going to mess you up first. So that you can obey me. Now, the question is, do you have the faith to pray boldly? Do you have the faith to keep God at His promises? But that's an easier, the easier question or the harder question is, do you have enough faith to say, God, will you do something about this, even if it means I have to do something about this? That's a tougher prayer, actually, right? So we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up on that. We're gonna pray. Um, what I want you to do is I want you to, how does Nick say this? I want you to continue the conversation. If you got stuff rattling around in your head, just talk about it at your tables or talk about it outside of here or walk away from here or whatever. Go out and grab dinner. It's only 7.30. Uh, go out and grab ice cream or whatever. Talk about what's going on. Talk about the places where you think that God is failing His promises and come back to Him again and again. But let's just pray and let's be done for the night and you can go and continue the conversation. But I will ask you, have faith in the God of the universe who keeps His promises, and He might keep His promises through you. Jesus, we come before You and we recognize that Your kingdom, You've promised that You will build Your kingdom. You've promised that Your kingdom will come. And You command us to even pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we're supposed to be standing one foot in Your kingdom and one foot in this world. You've promised all of these things and we clearly see that they're not happening. So will you, will you hold your promise true? Will you fulfill your promises about the kingdom here? Even if that means using us. Even if that means using me. Even if that means ripping from me all of my comfort, comfort zones and all of my areas where I have faithlessness, if that's what it means, if that's what it takes, if that's what you have to do to bring your kingdom here and to bring it now, then do it because I want your kingdom here. And Lord, thank you for my friends. Thank you that we can hang out tonight and worship you. Thank you that we can read your word and meander through what it means to be in your kingdom. Thank you that we get to live a normal life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground.